Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton, and this is part five of our six-plus part series on home walls, spray walls, all things in that realm. And we got lots of listener questions when I asked on the social medias, uh, the Facebooks, the Home Climbing Wall Forum. You guys had some great questions. Thank you for that uh, on our own Facebook community and on the Instagrams. The Instagrams really came through. People love to fill out that box when you want them to ask a question. They love it. And we got some great ones from there. And um, we're going to jump into this thing. I'm with my friend Zach Alexander from 42 North Bouldering for all the parts. He didn't know what he was signing up for here. Hey, (laughs) y'all. Let's jump into this. Um, We got a lot to do. How often do you repeat old projects once sent? Asked by Joel G. Pelletier. Pelletier? I don't know how to say that. Hmm. You know how to say it, and that's all that's important. So, Joel, how often do you repeat old projects once sent? Not often enough, actually. Hmm. I wish I did it more, and it's something I'm dedicating entire sessions to now. Um, But on your home wall, on a spray wall where that set is there for a long time, potentially forever, it's a really valuable tool to have. And while you and I, Zach, were making this Boulder Builder course that we just made, that was one of the big joys that I got was going back and repeating old things that I hadn't gone back to because we were trying to make these sort of case studies of old projects and of classic boulders in the machine shop. Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts also. Did you repeat anything that you were surprised? Every single one of them (laughs) I was surprised by. I hadn't, I do not spend very much time repeating old projects personally. Not that it wouldn't be beneficial, but I just, I'd be lying if I said I did. So every single one of them, I did repeat, actually, that we climbed on, I believe. I can't think of one that I wasn't able to do. And um, I was surprised to do all of them because they were all hard at a, you know the point in time that I had done them. And I hadn't revisited them. And some of them had been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Let's talk a little bit about why you might want to repeat old projects. You know, if you're if you're climbing outside and you're and you've got unlimited things around you to try, it's pretty rare that people go back and repeat things, you know, unless yeah. it's a variation of something that you want to do or something like that. But but in your spray wall or home wall, I think it's a really valuable tool. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I'm going to preface this by saying, ironically, I repeat old projects outside a lot more than I do inside. Really? Oh, Why? Uh, 
because I like them. Because <laughs> they're cool. Mm. And because to me, you know, I mean, when I'm climbing outside, I'm still is training. Is it the same with sport climbs as it is boulders? Uh, yeah, I've repeated a lot of sport climbs that were projects for me mm. at one point in time. Yeah. Um, and that is maybe slightly for a different reason, but largely the same. When I'm outside, when I'm projecting or not, like I'm sort of perpetually on the hunt for challenging myself and continuous improvement, right? That's kind of one of the things that climbing brings to me that I love about it. It's sort of my like how I interact with the, the sport. Um, and when I go outside, I view it as training a lot of times also. And you have uh, an image in your your hard truth book about mastery mm-hmm. where, you know, it says, uh, I don't, you probably know it better than me, but it's something about like sending it once is success and then sending it like nine times. Yeah. Lots of little send it once squares. Yeah. Illustrated is, by my is friend. the mastery, right? Yeah. And I resonate with that image a lot. And <clears> so I do it outside a lot. And it's the same principle on your spray wall where if you have an old project and you repeat it, what you're essentially doing is taking it from a limit project or a high level project, a very high level of relative relative difficulty to yourself. You're just bumping it down the chain. You're making it slightly easier for yourself. And you're using that as a litmus to gauge your improvement. Yep. Yeah. And that's this is one of the things that I think commercial gyms are failing climbers by doing is this constant turnover. I know, I know people want that. They want new, fresh things, but what we never get to do is compare ourselves, our current selves against our former selves on the same rock climb. Yeah. And, and your spray wall or home wall allows you to do that. And in a commercial gym, it becomes how much effort did I put in to send this boulder? You compare that versus how much effort you put in to send a different boulder but they're different boulders. They're going to require different levels of effort. So you really don't know whether you've improved or not. And let's be perfectly clear here. The grading system in every gym in America is fucked. <laughs> it's, it's not. Shots fired. It is not consistent, period. The grading system, period. It's not the gym's fault. It's not the setter's fault. Our grading system just leaves a lot to be desired. You know, just because you can do a V7 and last last month you could do only V6 doesn't mean you got better. That V7 might be easier for you than those V6s. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be in a style that's easier. The setter might've been having a rough day. Um, you know, who knows, but for whatever reason, it doesn't mean it's harder. And that's a tough thing for people to grapple with when they don't have any one-to-one direct comparison. I think that's what going and repeating old projects can do for you, you know, especially if you leave some time between. I think that's a valuable thing to do. Send a project, don't touch it for six months, then come back to it and try to resend it. And that'll give you a better idea of whether you've made improvements at that specific thing, whatever it is. Um, you can get stronger and have a harder time on some projects. Oh, that's, absolutely. That's absolutely a thing that happens. Yeah. 
you know, uh, for instance, your, you had a boulder that we did a case study on in the boulder builder course called sharks with laser beams. Yes. And for me, that was a, a hard project when I did it, you know, super stretchy. Yep. Really interesting, some precision involved, really difficult for me. And then when we went back to film it, I sent it in a few tries. Yep. And it took me eight, 10 sessions the, the first time. Mm-hmm. So objectively, I improved at something. I don't know exactly what it was. Um, at least at climbing that boulder. Yeah. Yeah, I've gotten... I was better prepared for it this time around than I was the first time. So I, every set, pretty much every session I climb, I repeat old projects. Um, some of them I repeat regularly to do exactly what you were talking about and, you know, making them successively easier and easier. I'm mastering that project. And then some I'll just revisit every few months and, mm-hmm. and try again, you know, and occasionally you end up sending something repeatedly that took you a lot of sessions. Yep. It's also a good way to check in with where you are in relation to the skills you had a year ago, two years ago. You know, is that project that you did two years ago, does it feel much harder now? Maybe it's time to re-up on those skills a little bit. So I think it's a valuable thing to do. Do it often. Um, We will have another course coming that's on kind of best uses for your spray wall and how it differs from the the commercial gym. I know I'm throwing, oh, I'm throwing, excited for throwing things at you here, but uh, that will give you some specific drills to do. One, for instance, is a three strikes repeat, which is something I use pretty often where Same. I, I pick an old project and I give it three really concerted efforts at the end of my warmups and then then I move on and I keep that in there until I send it or until I realize I'm going to have to put more effort than these three tries a session into it. And oftentimes I'm able to repeat projects in six, nine tries spread over three sessions um, that might have taken me, you know, 50, 60 tries to do the first time. Yeah, that's uh, that is one of my two favorite ways to go at giving old projects another go. Yeah. And that drills almost impossible to do in a commercial gym where they switch things up every month. Yeah. So, wow. While we're here, I'm going to throw a brainstorm out there for future commercial gyms. They need to build a, like a 30 degree spray wall of a sport climbing wall. Oh, that could be interesting. Like yeah. with bolts. That yeah. You, just like, you know, your normal, maybe yeah. not 80 feet, like these monstrous, mm-hmm sport climbing gyms now, but like 40 feet or something, just a spray wall that never changes that, you know, people can have sport climbing projects on. That's interesting. I like that. I, I hadn't ever expanded my vision of a spray wall into a sport climbing wall. Does that but exist? Not that I know of, but it very well might. If it you, should. If you're on the YouTubes and you know of one of those spray walls out there in the world, a sport climbing spray wall, then... You know, that's not the rodeo wave here, yeah. in, here in Lander, um, because that is a sport climbing spray wall, essentially. Then let us know about it. I would love to hear about something like that existing, yeah. and it could be very valuable. Because I know they have bouldering walls like that, where they're like 45 degree 
40 foot bouldering walls where the landing follows you as a ramp right, that are right. spray walls but i don't know about one with bolts yeah that'd be really interesting we should we should find that out let us know all right next from effie love is it worth building a campus board on a 40 and how to adapt the rungs um this question is actually pretty interesting. I think, you know, something that Nate and I have talked about quite a bit is that the campus board as we know it is just this tool that was created, you know, 40 years ago, whatever. And then we just accepted it for what it is. And now we model them all after it. And there's no reason why we do that. Um, other than to compare ourselves against other people using the same tool somewhere else. Yep. Um, but there's no reason why the, the traditional standardized air quotes here. I love air quotes. Um, should be the campus board there. There are lots of other options. Uh, the thing I would ask you, Effie is, do you have a reason for it? If, if you do, and, and that reason you know, makes sense to have, then by all means, put it there. I personally would not do it. I personally would just campus on the holds on a steep wall. Um, the reason I like a campus board is because it's easier to measure progress on. Um, and really, that's that's it. You know, I, I embrace monotony and campus boards can be very monotonous depending on what you're using them for. Um, but other than the standardized sort of measuring and being able to measure yourself in small increments, I don't think that there's any reason not to just campus on holds. Um, and there is no best campus rung. You know, it really depends on what you're using it for. Yeah, I, I echo that sentiment. I would personally be campusing on holds. Uh, I have sort of a, a metaphor here because, you know, I'm a cook. I've spent, I've worked in kitchens for, you know, full time or more for the past better part of a decade. I sort of think of um, a campus board as a tool, just like one of the many knives that I use in a kitchen. You know, it's not the it's not used for everything, but it has its own specific purpose. Um, whereas, you know, your, your 40 degree wall is more of like your, your chef's knife. It's the knife that maybe isn't the best for everything, but it can be used for everything. And I think that's pretty applicable here. Uh, applicable. Um, you know, maybe it's not the absolute best tool for campusing, but I don't see why, the opportunity cost of putting campus rungs on the board and not being able to have other holds there if that's, you know, the best use of the space. So I think I would, you know, quote unquote, campus on the holds and use my chef's knife rather than spending money on a, a more specific knife for that purpose. Yeah. So, I mean, I think ultimately it comes down to do you have a good reason for it? And if you do, and it's some specific thing that'll help you out, then by all means do it. Um, if, if you want it specifically to measure against other people's campusing, you're going to find it much more difficult. Um, it's not going to measure there. There is no way to compare the two. So, um, have a reason. I think really that's what it comes down to. All right. Next up, farmer of the seas. Nice. 
workout routines on a home wall for warming up drills and limit? Um, well, this is a big gigantic question, um, that I think can actually be simplified just by saying it really doesn't change on a home wall versus other walls, except for you get more options uh, than you do in a commercial gym and options that stick around for a long time. Um, there are drills that work better, I think, on home walls, like we just mentioned with the three-strike repeat. Um, and those will be in our next course. And, and I think that will be worth looking at. But otherwise, as far as a whole workout goes, I don't think it makes a difference whether it's a home wall or not. Same. Yeah, you just adapt it to whatever your needs are. Yeah, you're pliable. Yeah, sorry we can't give you a better answer there, but I really just don't see the difference. Um, I will say this, though. You you included limit in there, and I think limit bouldering is so much easier on a home wall or a spray wall than it is in a commercial gym just because you can make minor adjustments to make it a little bit harder Um and you can just keep exploring. Whereas in some commercial gyms, if it's really sparse setting and there's just one line there, you don't get many options and you're just kind of left trying whatever's there. And maybe it doesn't fit into that narrow window of, of the difficulty you're looking for. Yeah. I sort of feel similar. I just think that you have, um, on a board or a spray wall or a home wall, whatever it looks like, you have more options for finding something that is a limit move or boulder <clears throat> for you and a variety of styles and movement patterns and all of that, all of those categories than at a commercial gym, you know, I, where maybe if there's, oh, fuck, I don't know, 60 boulders on the wall at the commercial gym because, you know, the density is not that high in monochromatic setting. Uh, maybe there's two things that are limit boulders for you. Right. Whereas on a home wall, I mean, I, I couldn't even begin to count how many limit boulders there are for me down in the machine shop. So yep. I think that's the limiter more than anything else. Yeah. And despite how it seems, we're absolutely not throwing shade at commercial gyms. I, I feel like I might have... Oh, no. Thrown a tarp over them. There's so much shade at this point. Um, no. But no shade at all. They're, you know, they they do what they're there for. And, and they're fantastic tools. They're just limited tools because they're catering to a much bigger public. Yeah. Um, so. I watched videos on Tone Day's Instagram for about 15 minutes this morning while I was drinking yeah. my coffee. And it made me want to go climb on a oh, big yeah. commercial Absolutely. gym because they looked like so much fun. His like celebrating good setters series uh, that he's doing right now. It's awesome. Yeah, it's so good. Keep it up, Tone Day. Yeah. I love it. I love his creative mind and that he's celebrating all these other creative minds oh, out it's, there. It's and, amazing. And it, I really wish I had a giant slab to play with, with these huge volumes mm. and, you know, it just looks so much fun. Yeah. So, but anyhow, um, where are we at here? Farmer of the seas. Um, check out the Boulder Builder course. I think it really gives you a good framework for looking at your wall differently. And our next course that's coming will, will give you a lot of the drills that are better suited for a home wall that don't work as well on a commercial gym. So, uh, next up from Scott Esser and Jordan White. What's up, Jordan? Uh, how to push yourself when you set your own routes and climb by yourself. Um, 
this this is a question of motivation, I think. And I agree. It can be tough. One of the things I find really interesting, um, I I personally don't generally struggle with this. Like I've said before, I I embrace monotony and I can be totally motivated to go in by myself and work on something. Um, but what I have seen happening in these conversations I've been having about spray wall apps uh, is that people really like the community aspect of these apps. They like being able to share their boulders or have friends set boulders for them. And, and it never occurred to me how popular that could be because we've got a good little community here who sets boulders and who comes in and climbs and, and we have that benefit. Yeah. I think the success of the moon board highlights that. Totally. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's so, you know, I think if you, if you find that your motivation is increased by sharing these ideas or having people make suggestions or make up boulders for you, then, you know, get involved in one of those, one of these apps that have that sharing feature. And I know that um, the Retro Flash app does. Uh, it's the one I've been looking at recently. And a lot of the others out there do make it possible for your friends to log in on your wall, make up boulders. Um, and, you know, something that you and I do, if you have somebody nearby that you just don't get to climb with because your schedules are opposite or whatever, then it can be really valuable and fun to like, when I make up a boulder, I send you a photo of it. Yeah. Or a video or something. Or a video. It's great. And, and that goes both ways. I love to see what you're coming up with. I want you to see what I'm coming up with and I want you to try it and let me know how it goes. And just keeping that line of communication open, I think is a really great way to stay motivated. Yeah. The community element is definitely one way of staying motivated. You know, I recently read, reread rather the, the talent code, the book by Daniel Coyle and uh, wrote a, a blog that'll be published here shortly about it. And in that book, one of the things that he really explores is the inspiration that is the spark of motivation and then how that is maintained. Mm. And he explores that in these talent hotbeds is what he calls them. But it's pretty interesting. And I think it's pretty applicable here because you have with the internet these days, the world at your fingertips for finding ways to motivate yourself. A little bit is part of, a little part of it is the self-awareness of knowing what it is that gets you excited, what gets you motivated. Yep. So it could be, you know, for me, like I could go back and get on my Kindle and check out my like highlighted sections of uh, mindset by Carol Dweck to, you know, be motivated when I go into the gym to get the most out of my session. Mm. I could get on Instagram and watch videos of people climbing boulders that I want to do one day. And that'll get me fired up and excited to go in there and be motivated to try hard. It could be watching videos of something that you sent me. It could be that I have, and you have like little notes on the whiteboard in the machine shop that when you walk in, you see like the name of your project or some uh, motivational quote or some, some tool like that to get you in the mindset of effort. Uh, but a lot of motivation is, you know, for some people, maybe it's the community of the moon board that's, or 
these apps that make it nice, your local community for climbing on the spray ball. But a lot of it is also, you know, these external sources of motivation and, you know, how you harness them to, for yourself, really. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think what you said in know what your motivation is, if you can pinpoint that and then just feed into it, that's what you should be doing. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up, this is one of those instances where I don't know when you're reading an Instagram name, where to make the breaks. So it's either Sierra Y Olas or Sierra Yolas. Mm. I'm not sure. But regardless, uh, mimicking your outdoor project on your home wall or spray wall. This is something we talk about in our Boulder Builder course a bit. Yeah, Um, a fair bit. So we're not going to go too deep into it here, but I will say there's a wide variety of ways to mimic your outdoor project that can be really valuable. Yep. Um, for me, I find it less valuable to mimic the really specific movements, try to match the holds exactly. Um, those are the things I find less valuable. And I find the, the larger, a little more nebulous ideas of the project to be more valuable. Things like where does it require me to exert the most effort. Um, and you know, what does my breathing end up like? What, what energy system is it targeting? And do I lose focus at a certain part of the boulder when I need to be able to keep it? Things like that. And if I can target those things in the gym by making up boulders that, that hit those, then I find the best carryover. Yeah, I think when you're thinking about uh, imitating projects or simulators, as they're often referred to, there's a spectrum of specificity here that you know your imitation or your simulator can fall on. And um, the circumstances sort of dictate where along that spectrum of specificity you want these boulders that you're building to fall on. And for the most part, I think that we both agree that less specific has a higher carryover to your general rock climbing, but still will help you on your project. But there are times though less common when more specific simulators make sense. Yeah. And you know, you say it's less common, but I actually think that more people trend automatically toward Oh, I need to have the exact holds. Oh, absolutely. I need to figure out, I need to measure the distance. I need to do all these really specific things. And, and I do think, you know, I think you're right that that has less carryover to your general improvement at rock climbing. Yeah. And, you know, if you're, if this is like your lifetime project and and you really need to do the thing to make yourself happy or it's a thing that you have to travel a long way for um, and you have a very small window of attempts for whatever reason then by all means you know get as specific as you can i think there's there's definitely value there but if it's you know if you're still on this steadily upward improvement and and there's this project you want to send, then maybe figure out the more global ideas uh, that that connect with that project that can also be applied to many others rather than going out and molding the holds and measuring the distances. Yeah, I mean, 
we definitely explore this concept a fair bit in the course. And I, I agree with you thinking about the bigger picture and like the <clears throat> themes within that bigger picture and attacking those themes rather than the exact thing tends to be more helpful. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Uh, next up, Matt Kelly, how to force specific movements, especially forcing feet. Any tips besides smaller feet and making every problem traverse or backstep flag? Um, I mean, the, the first one, obvious one that comes to mind is you can set any rule you want. You know, most boulders allow tracking, which means your feet might end up being better but they don't have to. You can always make the rule on your home wall or spray wall or whatever that you're not going to use those big handholds. You're only going to use these little feet or you're only going to use feet way out to the side that put you in a position that are, that's difficult for you. Um, rules are a very easy way to force moves. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one specific way that I think about it sometimes we've, uh, not even that long ago, we set a, a boulder where it had this dynamic foot stab that was sort of essential to it. And it was not a traversing boulder and it was not a small foot, but Huge it was foot, actually, yeah, but yeah. it was a forced foot move and it was a very hard part of the sequence. Um, and we sort of had the notion of, you know, we wanted to make a move like that. And then once we put, did the, the foot move, we created a hand sequence where we couldn't cheat it, you know, th where that foot made the hand sequence work. And without that foot, the hand sequence didn't really work. So I suppose there's two notions or methods that I can think of right away or starting with the move and then building off of it so that it can't be broken. And maybe that takes a little bit of tinkering, but that's okay. And um, the other is, you know, re reverse engineering the sequence, you know, going backwards. Yep. And if it can, you know, if you set something and then it can be broken, I'm, I'm using air quotes again here, um, then then you've learned something, you know, and I think that's really valuable. It's It's important to to think you've come to a conclusion that someone else can walk in and immediately see a different solution for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's huge to understand. And I, for one, really appreciate the, the art of setting sequences that are hard to, to come up with a different way. You yeah. Know, I like forcing things to happen and you and I are you know, different sizes, you have quite a bit more length than I do. And I like to be able to make up projects with your size in mind and trying to make it so that you can't skip the moves that I have to do. Mm -hmm. um, I just appreciate that art. I could always set a rule that says you have to do it in this sequence. You have to do it this way. Of course you can get as detailed as you want with these rules. Um, especially if they're for yourself you know, you, yeah. while I can't force someone to do it a specific way, though I do try, um, I can always force myself. Yeah. And, and I think you should be doing that, frankly. Um, and I, and I just want to shout out to setters in general, because it is an art. It's a, a skill that's quite difficult to do. 
uh, to anticipate all the different ways someone might try to do this and and kind of give them this one path through. Yeah, um, it's very difficult, and and I applaud all of the good setters out there who can keep that in mind while coming up with really interesting fun movement that challenges us in a bunch of different ways. I love Um, the craft. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Matt, I would suggest, you know, practice that practice coming up with sequences that you think are the only way. And then, and then just show the problem to someone and have them figure it out for themselves. Um, because likely they'll come up with a different way than you thought, than you imagined. And if you really want a specific type of movement, just make a rule. Um, it's a quick and easy, efficient way through one that we talk about a lot. We go through a lot of the rules and how to implement them in our Boulder Builder course. Yep. And I asked you this in a previous episode. And then after the episode, you were like, Oh, now I think I have an answer for that. And, and that's one of the limitations of this podcast format is that we get this short window. Um, but yep. because I have you trapped for who knows how many episodes, mm. what would you now say is the way you would describe the Boulder Builder course to someone? All right. A much more distilled description than <laughs> rendition number one, <laughs> much more distilled, but probably still to evolve a little bit is I would describe the Boulder Builder course as an online class that is a multi-directional approach to setting effective boulders on home walls and boards. Why didn't you just write that in our Dude, on the I, course description? Because it, you, I don't know how these <laughs> things work. It just comes to you, you know, you're like sitting here thinking about it. So you had to ask the question and let my, give my brain some time to process before that came but i think that's pretty good i think it's pretty good that's pretty good yeah and you can learn more about the boulder builder course right there in your show notes or in the description on the youtubes and um you can find zach at 42 north bouldering.com yep instagram youtube 42 north bouldering on the instagrams yep and that's going to be all about Wyoming bouldering and self-improvement through climbing, right? Yeah, more or less using climbing as our, uh, our medium to improve as humans as well as climbers. Yeah, and you can find us at powercompanyclimbing.com as always. Also on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Pinterests, the interwebs in general, except for the Twitter because... We don't tweet. We scream like eagles.
Time to 